It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome to Beyond the Paint with Bernadine, a show. That engages you with the female artists who works that expose the astonishing beauty of women's inner lives. My hope is to introduce you to a part of the art world you may never have known. And together, we will give these women makers and artists a voice and set them in their rightful place in the canon of art. If you enjoy this series, Please take a moment to subscribe. Is there a woman artist you would like to see exposed on this podcast? If yes, I would love to hear from you. Email me at Bernadine at BeyondThePaint.net. Thank you. And welcome to episode 86. Harriet Powers, giving a voice to her life through appliques on quilts. In the wake of the death of George Floyd at the hands of Minneapolis police officers and the protests that followed seeking justice, I began to think about the women, female artists and their response to racism in America. And for the month of June, I'm creating a mini-series highlighting three women artists and makers whose works visually stare down racism, illuminating and confronting social injustice and racial inequality. I'm wrapping up this mini-series with the 19th century quilter Harriet Powers. Please check out the two previous episodes for a dive into the figurative painting and multimedia works by Emma Amos and the 20th century sculptor teacher who created representations of black people resident in their beauty and humanity, Augusta Savage. Harriet Potters was a black female maker and slave from Georgia who transformed a traditional communal art quilting into a remarkably free and creative expression. Quilts made by slave women were crafted during the daylight hours under the eye of their female owners employing Euro-American design traditions. Like other black women slaves in their personal time at night by candlelight, she labored to provide practical clothing and bed covers for her family. What I want you, you to experience are surviving quilts, powers made that form an aesthetic divergent from the traditional designs They're imbued with strong colors, stripes, shapes, patterns, asymmetry, and elements of African mythology. They are immersed with symbolism and charged by spirituality and the passion of the God she honors within her work. She gives a voice to her life through appliques on quilts. And this involved sewing pieces of cut fabric 
on a background square. A series of squares are then sewn together. Areas without a design were frequently quilted with a decorative pattern or border. And the reason I refer to her as a maker is because quilters and needlework fell under the category of craft in this period. It is not part of the canon of the art in the 19th century. It is the emergence of the folk art movement in the 1920s that inspired newfound appreciation for aesthetic qualities of early needlework and quilting. After the 1970s, quilting and other textile arts became elevated to fine or high art. And as you will experience in her surviving quilts that she created, they were after she was emancipated. Powers weaved narratives drawn from oral traditions through complex iconography in these detailed colorful scenes. And one of fascinating association with Powers quilts are the appliqued cotton cloths and techniques made by the Fon people of the Republic of Benin in Africa. The Fon people created large wall hangings in honor of their kings, featuring appliqued animals like lions, buffaloes, birds, and sharks. These symbolize the king's identity. Powers parallels these African traditions and storytelling with pictorial compositions containing animals within illustrated events. One of the sources of this African knowledge represented in Powers' visions was through her parents. They had been brought from Africa as slaves, carrying with them traditions of the regions they lived. When they arrived, Harriet's parents were mixed with populations of slaves from other places and cultures of Africa. This cultural mixing, as the historian Michelle Cliff asserts, is important to keep in mind when trying to understand how Powers learned the method by which she represents her visions and the sources of the various elements in her vision because it is syncretic work taken from a variety of cultures. From the Fawn wall hangings, we can see corresponding elements in Powers quilts. She uses flat, colored, abstracted, bulky figures formed through curvy linear shapes, figures and objects arranged at various angles and what she brings to her seemingly ordinary figures and objects is new and deeper levels of meaning endowed with power and imagination. So let's take a close look at pictorial quilt. It is composed of 15 cotton blocks worked with pieces of beige, pink, mauve, orange, dark red, gray-green, and shades of blue. Each pictorial block depicts both the Old and New Testament events, such as stories of Jonah and the whale and the crucifixion of Christ. She also represents actual events, such as the falling stars of November 1833, when 10,000 meteors fell across the eastern seaboard of the United States. It is interesting she included amongst the biblical stories this bit of folklore. 
The quilt is part of the collection of the Boston Museum of Fine Arts, or the MFA. In describing this work, I'm able to use Power's own words, her own description. Quoting from the MFA website, quote, Powers is thought to have orally dictated a description of each square of her quilt to Jenny Smith, who had purchased the first quilt Powers made and arranged for it to be exhibited at the Cotton States Exposition in Atlanta in 1895. That was her first quilt called Bible Stories. The second quilt, titled Pictorial Quilt, is thought to have been commissioned by a group of faculty ladies at Atlanta University and given as a gift to a retiring trustee. So let's dive in and allow her words, the maker's words, in her plain spokenness, allow those words to just wash over your senses as you experience this extraordinary quilt. She describes her work commencing from the top left square reading subsequent squares from left to right. First row. One, Job praying for his enemies, Job crosses, Job's coffin. Two, the dark day of May 19, 1780. The seven stars were seen 12th north in the day. The cattle wall went to bed, chickens to roost, and the trumpet was blown. The sun went off to a small spot and then to darkness. 3. The serpent lifted up by Moses and women, bringing their children to look upon it to be healed. 4. Adam and Eve in the garden. Eve tempted by the serpent, Adam's rib by which Eve was made, the sun and the moon, God's all-seeing eye, and God's merciful hand. Square 5. John baptizing Christ and the Spirit of God descending and resting upon his shoulder like a dove. Second row. Block 6. Jonah cast overboard of the ship and swallowed by a whale. Turtles. 7. God created two of every kind, male and female. 8. The falling of the stars on November 13, 1833. The people were frightened and thought that the end had come. God's hand stayed the stars. The varmints rushed out of their beds. 9. Two of every kind of animal continued. Camels, elephants, giraffes, lions, etc. 10. The angels of wrath and the seven vials. The blood of fornications. Seven-headed beasts and ten horns which arose of the water. Third row, block 11, cold Thursday, 10 of February, 1895. A woman frozen while at prayer. A woman frozen at a gateway. A man with a sack of meal frozen. Icicles formed from the breath of a mule. All bluebirds killed. A man frozen at his jug of liquor. Twelve, the red light night of 1846. A man tolling the bell to notify the people of the wonder. Women, children, and fowls, frightened by God's merciful hand, caused no harm to them. 13. Rich people who were taught nothing of God. 
Bob Johnson and Kate Bell of Virginia, they told their parents to stop the clock at one and tomorrow it would strike one and so it did. This was the signal that they had entered everlasting punishment. The independent hog, which ran 500 miles from Georgia to Virginia, her name was Betts. 14. The creation of animals continues. 15. The crucifixion of Christ between the two thieves. The sun went into darkness. Mary and Martha weeping at his feet. The blood and water run from his right side. I want to point out one of the squares in particular. The first square in the first row. Job praying for his enemies. What capture my attention are the two crosses in the upper corners of the frame. Crosses are not part of the biblical stories, and Powers called them Job's crosses. Deferring to the scholarship by the historian Michelle Cliff, there is reference to the, quote, two calamities which Job had to bear, the loss of family and home, and the physical pain in which he was subjected. And in the last square, number 15, or frame of the quilt, is the crucifixion of Jesus, the redemption of man, the suffering of Christ. The quilt navigates a journey through visual symbols, bookending two stories, two biblical, biblical events, one from the Old and the latter from the New Testaments. Stories of suffering, to, from suffering to redemption. The narrative's power weaves are a metaphor for her life, for the lives of slaves who suffered. Her representation of the crucifixion is this power's assurance to other black people, the promise of deliverance from the powers of the slaveholder, and it is a hopeful ending for the righteous. Powers was born in 1837 as a slave and emancipated from slavery after the Civil War. She married a farm hand, farm owner, Armistead Powers, and she bore nine children, and only three survived adulthood. They did own land and about four acres, but it was poorly managed, and in 1895, her husband left. Powers ultimately lost the farm, and she never remarried, and most likely supported herself as a seamstress. She died in 1910. Needlework and quilting were household ex activities expected of women in the 19th century. This handiwork becomes a focus for progressive women's political organizing, connecting the domestic sphere and the public world of social action. It was women who drew attention to abolitionist causes. Sarah Grimke famously declared, may the points of our needles prick the slave owner's consciousness. In the literary world, Harriet Beecher Stowe wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin, Sojourner Truth was a leader in abolitionist reform. Slogans on needlework samplers and quilt patterns like the slave chain displayed reform thought in the production of visual culture. And this included the women's rights movement, especially in the North. The influence and power of women's domestic art and art inspired by traditions outside the Western canon. Like the quilts by Powers, this type of art shows art's aesthetic's importance, its influence, 
and its historical purpose. I want to leave you with the contemporary artist Peggy L. Hartwell, a quilter who composed a homage to Harriet Powers in her work Ode to Harriet Powers in 1995. It includes in the center a replica of the only known photograph of Harriet Powers. And on either side of the portrait of Hartwell's tribute includes squares of pictorial arrangements similar to the engaging symmetrical forms that we experienced in Powers Quilt. Her website is in the podcast notes. Thank you so much for being part of the series, highlighting and amplifying the voices of black female artists along with me. I will continue to be inclusive of women artists and makers of all races and ethnicities. Thank you again. And starting next month in mid-July, I will be expanding this podcast series to include monthly conversations with contemporary artists. My inaugural episode will be with figurative painter Elisa Valenti. In August, a painter who reflects on the connections between art and social media, Laurence Duvamy, and in September, Meg Hitchcock, a text-based artist. I produce a short podcast on Meg Hitchcock in number 10. and I will include a link in the podcast notes if you want to get a little glimpse of her work. And also coming soon is the stone carver, Barbara Siegel. Thank you for listening. You can see the works discussed on my website at beyondthepaint.net and on Instagram at beyondthepaintpodcast. Resources for this episode include the Boston Museum of Fine Art, the Smithsonian, the writings by Samantha Moreno, Michelle Cliff, Shell Rivers, and Carol Crown. They too are listed in the podcast notes. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.